Welcome to the bite-sized edition of the Editor Roundtable podcast. Here on the Roundtable, we're dedicated to helping you become a better writer following the StoryGrid method developed by Sean Coyne. In these episodes, we bring you some shorter solo articles and interviews on topics that interest us as writers. Hello there, this is Valerie Francis, and with me is Leslie Watts, and today we're analyzing a scene from Marriage Story, the 2019 film written and directed by Noah Baumbach. So, join us for a quick bite of writing insight, starting right now. All right, to start the episode, I'm just going to recap the beginning, middle, and end summary that uh, we prepared when we did Marriage Story for one of the full episodes uh, in season seven of the podcast. So in the beginning hook of Marriage Story, Nicole and Charlie Barber, who live in New York City, are in the process of separating and, and have decided to split amicably without the help of lawyers. But when Nicole gets a job in L.A., she moves there with their son, Henry. One of the producers on Nicole's show gives her the name of a divorce attorney and recommends she contact her. Nicole has to decide whether to use an attorney or not. Using an attorney would help protect her assets and help her get custody of Henry, but it would make her continued relationship with Charlie as Henry's father even more difficult. She decides to hire the lawyer. In the middle build, Nicole serves Charlie with divorce papers, which forces Charlie to hire his own lawyer. The divorce proceedings get ugly, and when the court says it will send a social worker to observe both parents with Henry, they decide to try and work things out between them. Their attempt at a rational discussion quickly dissolves into a heartbreaking argument, and in the end, their relationship and their situation is worse than it was before. The social worker observes Charlie with Henry and seems unimpressed. The knife trick that Charlie does goes horribly wrong, and the social worker departs in horror, and Charlie ends up on the kitchen floor bleeding profusely. It is, boy, it's definitely an all-is-lost moment. In the ending payoff of Marriage Story, Charlie gives Nicole what she wants in the divorce and returns to New York City a broken man. Meanwhile, Nicole discovers that her lawyer changed the balance of custody from 50-50 to 55-45, which isn't what she wanted. When Charlie reads what Nicole had written about him prior to the divorce, this is the opening voiceover of the film, he realizes that Nicole did, and does, love him. When Nicole learns that Charlie has taken a job at UCLA to be closer to Henry, she becomes more flexible with the custody arrangement. So the genre here is a marriage love story, but there's obviously strong society undertones. And I listed it as a worldview disillusionment story for Charlie and a status sentimental story for Nicole. So when we did the episode on marriage story, uh, the full episode in in the podcast in season seven, I said that the argument between Nicole and Charlie in the middle build was one of the best scenes I'd ever seen. And I really do think it's going to go down, you know, in storytelling history as, as one of the scenes that's studied. So I kind of roped Leslie into studying the scene with me. (laughs) So Leslie, I have been talking here for a few minutes. Why don't you jump in and kick us off with the scene analysis? Okay. Well, we're going to start with the, what we're calling the most macro in terms of the scene study, and that's the scene type. So 
we're looking at what kind of scene is this overall? And we don't have specific buckets yet. We're kind of in the process of figuring that out. Um, But what we can say, just looking at this off the top, is that we have a two-person conversation. Uh, A subset of that is that we have a married couple and they are fighting. So then we want to say, what does a scene type like this accomplish within the context of the novel as a whole? And so it accomplishes a lot of things, of course. This is really, I have to agree with Valerie that this is a great scene to study and it's working on multiple levels. But it does show us unequivocally that the marriage is over. There is no chance that these two will reconcile. That happens. We we know that because the situation allows their shadow sides to emerge. So this is the part of us that we kind of keep hidden, but sometimes comes out. And here it happens for both parties. We have two people in the scene, and the location of the scene in Charlie's apartment is significant because Charlie is is from New York and lives in New York and wants to be in New York, but he has this apartment in L.A. that it that doesn't have any pictures on the wall. It's not, you know, it's not really, it's not fully lived in yet, but it is his sanctum in LA. It is his home base. And that's where it's taking place. And we might think that this would give him a little leverage, a little bit of power. But as we'll see, that's not what happens. The primary activity happening is that they are talking. And the power dynamic, getting back to that, is really interesting in the scene because Nicole has the power and it never really shifts. Charlie tries multiple ways, multiple tactics to try to get the power in this conversation, but it never really works. And ultimately he reaches a breaking point. Leslie, can I just jump in there quickly on that point? Yeah. The power dynamic is something we haven't really talked a lot about um, in StoryGrid, certainly not on the Roundtable podcast anyway, but it's so important in a scene. And we often think of it as changing hands. And yes, lots of times it does. Absolutely. The character comes in as the disenfranchised one of the scene or the less powerful character of the scene and wins the scene at the end of it, right? Here we have Nicole coming in in the power position right at the very beginning. And Charlie is constantly trying to get the power from her. He's trying to get one up. And as you said, he should have home court advantage, right? He's in his own home. So we would think that that would give him some kind of edge, but it really doesn't. What we see is him trying time and time again to... to, reclaim some sort of power in this situation that they're in. And this scene is like a microcosm of what's happening in their marriage generally. And it it just doesn't happen. And this, of course, is where 
all the progressive complications are coming from. This is where the escalation, escalation of stakes is taking place. As Charlie tries to get power and get shot down and he, he, he wins some of the, some of the little, uh, moments between them, the beats that we'll talk about in a minute. I mean, it's not like he is just spiraling downward and he never gets anywhere. That would be really boring. But overall, he doesn't have power in the beginning and he doesn't have power in the end. But he gets these little spikes, these little wins, these little mini wins at the beat level throughout the scene that keeps the scene alive. It keeps the scene moving. And it makes us wonder if, gee, you know, is, is Charlie going to is Charlie going to win this thing? Is he going to come out on top? So this power dynamic that we haven't talked about much is something that I think warrants further investigation and study because it's really important in any unit of story, but certainly at the scene level. Yeah. And I think that goes for the point of conflict as well. We we talk around it quite a bit, but we don't always talk about, you know, what really, where is the, where's the problem, the direct contact between the protagonist and antagonist? And here the in the big picture, what we have are two people trying to decide how they're going to deal with the custody of their son. Are they going to live in New York part-time, LA part-time? How are they going to manage this? But then there's this underlying point of conflict that we talked about earlier that is more of, did you ever really love me? Mm -hmm. And that's the emotional piece that is keeping these people stuck in fighting over their son. And that's what this scene is about, is that these two conflicts are coming out because they're trying to agree on how to take care of Henry. They both love their son. They both care for him and want the best for him. They disagree on how to do that right? And where they should live and who should be taking what role in, in caring for him. And so they argue about, well, did we talk about living in LA or did we not? Was that just something we mentioned? And it's one of those things, right? You talk about a lot of things in a relationship, some things are more speculative, more hypothetical, and some things are more, you know, we actually had plans. And these two people see it differently. And this whole question of, you just mentioned, they're trying to figure out, did you ever love me? Do you love me now? Do you like what? This is, this is what they're really talking about. Mm-hmm. However, the discussion they're having, the literal discussion they're having is all about whether they talked about moving to LA or not. Because the, you know, the subtext behind all this is that if you loved me, you would move to LA. And if you loved me, you would stay in New York. So that's the subtext that's sort of bubbling under the surface of this conversation of are we a New York family or are we an LA family? Fascinating stuff. Please continue. I interrupted. 
No, no, that's fine because that's the point. If if the pri- if the real conflict is what's on the surface, then your scene is not doing as much as it could be doing. You're in big trouble as a writer. <laughs> right? Yes, that's what they that's that's what Robert McKee says, right? That's right. Okay. So then those are some details about the scene. But we also want to think about where does this scene occur in the story and and what's it doing? What do we need this scene to do? Well, it's an obligatory event. It is what we would call the middle build to turning point. And so it really needs to force the big dilemma that is the global dilemma and I think it does it beautifully here. So when you're looking at your stories and you're looking at, do, you know, I need to do this middle build turning point, which is the, it's actually also the the global turning point. What are some ways I can do that? You can look at really well-crafted scenes and scene types and use those as tools to fulfill the needs of that point in the story. Yeah. So in terms of a scene type, what we've got is two people in a room talking to one another, but it's not just any room. It's Charlie's apartment because that's his inner sanctum. That's his home court. So the person with the least amount of power in the scene has home court advantage and therefore might actually have a chance. It sort of evens out the, the power dynamic a little bit gives him a snowball's chance in hell of actually winning uh, <laughs> this argument. You know, so I, I don't think that the choice of location was arbitrary here. It's really important. And it all, all of this stuff is, is wrapped up together. It's really hard to pull one piece of a scene type out and say, aha, well, it's a uh, having coffee scene. Okay, that might be the literal action. So the literal action here is two people having a conversation. But why do you want to have those two people have a conversation? Where are they going to have it? What's what's the point of the conversation? And how can the, the literal and essential action that you need to portray, how can that work in one location or another location? Would there need to be other people in the scene? How would that uh, help the scene or hinder the scene? So there's a lot of, yeah, this whole scene type thing, I'm telling you, there's a lot of information to be mined here. And we're just having a quick look at it here with, uh, with one story in Mary, with one scene in Marriage Story. So when we go to analyze a scene, when Sean taught us how to analyze a scene, he gave us four questions to look at in addition to the five commandments of storytelling. The first question is, what are the characters literally doing? That is, what are their micro on the ground actions? And we just talked about that. It's a two-person conversation in private that escalates into a negotiation and then an argument. The second question that I'm going to toss over to Leslie, because she and Anne Holly wrote a terrific Fundamental Fridays post that we'll link to in the show notes, all about literal and essential action. And the second question is, what is the essential tactic of the characters That is, what macro behaviors are they employing that are linked to a universal human value? 
Leslie? Yeah, so sometimes we talk about this as the character's scene goal. It's a subset of the global objects of desire. That is their what they want and what they need. And this is one way they're trying to go about it. So if Nicole's global want is to live in LA and to be there with her son, then her, you know, one thing she needs to do is to get someone to see things my way, right? She needs to convince Charlie that she's right about living in LA. Now, on the other hand, Charlie wants to get Nicole to see that the deal was we were living in New York and we were happy in New York and you changed. And so it's not always the case, but it is the case here that both characters are have the same essential tactic, which is to get someone to see things my way. Question three is what universal human values have changed for one or more characters in the scene? Which one of those value changes is most important and should be included in the story grid spreadsheet? Well, <laughs> took us a little while to figure this one out, didn't it, Leslie? <laughs> yes, this was tricky. <laughs> so what we came up with is loathing masquerading as civility to hate to intimacy. Now this is, I think we should talk about this for a minute, Leslie, because anyone who's watched the scene is probably raising an eyebrow at our interpretation of the scene ending at intimacy because they do certainly do start in a civil kind of way mm -hmm. and then things escalate and escalate and they end up having this huge shouting match to the point where their, their shadow selves really come out. And she says, I can't believe you have to be in my life forever. And he says, if I could guarantee that Henry would be safe, I wish you would just get hit by a car and die. Like, it's just horrible stuff. Mm -hmm. And he ends up just in tears, crying, and he's destroyed. He's, he's in the fetal position on the ground. And he ends up, you know, she, she steps toward him and puts her hand on his shoulder, and he clings to her legs. So... Do you want to talk for a minute about our thought process there and how can we call that intimacy after that, those horrible things, how can we come to the conclusion that they're at a state of intimacy there? Right. And it's also ironic too, that this is the moment when we realize that this marriage is definitely over. There is no reconciliation. Exactly. But intimacy is not it's not, we're not talking about romantic intimacy and, and that kind of thing necessarily. What we're talking about is a relationship where you reveal yourself, warts and all, you are vulnerable, and the other person kind of accepts you. You know, it's like, okay, I see you've got these great parts. You've got these not so great parts, but you're in it, you're a whole being and and I I accept you. And here Charlie is so vulnerable 
And Nicole could have really gone in for the kill, as we say, you know, if we were talking about an action story and these were two uh, combatants, we would say, go in for the kill. She could have destroyed him. But when he's vulnerable, when he shows how much he's hurting, she walks toward him and puts her hand on his shoulder. And, you know, you made the point too, Valerie, that you don't release the shadow for, you don't get this angry, have this much passion for someone unless you really deeply care about them. Right. I mean, if someone you're indifferent about, it, if they say something negative about you, it's kind of like water off a duck's back. Or it might bother you, but it's not going to lead to this level of emotion that Nicole and Charlie are demonstrating here in this scene. And ironically, it, it seems to me, my interpretation of it anyway, is that this is the most intimate they've probably been in their entire marriage. This is the most vulnerable either of them has been in their entire marriage. So although in this scene, we know that there's there is no hope that they will ever reconcile. This marriage is well and truly over. But by the same token, while, while their marriage is over, they are closer than they've ever been. I mean, this is the stuff that, you know, pros can ream off when they sit down to do writing. This is where the bar is set and what we, what I believe that we as writers should be striving toward to have to have a scene that is a key scene in a marriage love story that is a clear indication that the marriage is over and now it's just, you know, the, the legality of it all. Mm-hmm. They still clearly love one another. Like the fact that they love one another is never really in doubt anywhere in this story. And it's one of the things that I love about the film. There's, it's just all shades of gray and the, the more you love someone, the more you fight for them, and the more they can hurt you. So Nicole's fit, like her, her, her frustration in saying, I can't believe I've got to have you in my life forever, is just a dagger to his heart because he, he loves her. And that he reacts to that by saying, I wish you were dead. And, and that (laughs) obviously is very hurtful to her, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but her reaction is yes, she is hurt, but, but she sees his hurt. Mm -hmm. And because she loves him, she cannot kick him when he's down because that's a crisis moment for her. Right. Mm -hmm. When he is like, flipping out and and crying and destroyed she could make fun of him she could call him weak she could say all kinds of nasty stuff like the knife is in she could twist it if she wanted to Mm -hmm. she could storm out and leave him alone to deal with this and to gather himself up after all of this but she doesn't she consoles him and you don't do that with someone you hate Mm -hmm. When you see someone you love who is hurting, 
you put your own hurt on the back burner and you help them first. That is deep love. Right. Right. And, and to come back to what we talked about, what this scene is in the story, right? It's the, it's the global turning point. And so this is the moment when they make sense of the inciting incident, the global inciting incident. So when Nicole is packing up her bags to leave for LA, Charlie's trying to make sense of it. No, no, no. I want this. I want us back in New York. I want it to be that way. And here she tells him and he tells her what, what it really meant when she left. And that is a, that's a moment of reckoning. And it's so well done in this story and in this scene that, yeah, it's, we could study it for a long time. So the last of the four questions that Sean gives us when we analyze a scene is this, what is the story event that sums up the scenes on the ground actions, essential tactics and value change? This is the story event that we enter on the story grid spreadsheet. And it's this, Nicole approaches Charlie to discuss working out the divorce on their own and they argue, but through Charlie's vulnerability, they find intimacy. This is such a good movie. It's such a great scene. Holy cow. So the next thing that we do in a scene analysis is identify the five commandments of storytelling. Now we've got all of that in the show notes. So we encourage you to go and have a look at that, at the five commandment breakdown for the scene, but in the time remaining, cause it's supposed to be a bite-sized episode, not an hour long episode. <laughs> What we wanted to do is have a look at the beat structure of this scene, because we get a lot of questions about what's a beat? How do you know what a beat is in a scene? How do you have to figure that out? And how in God's name are you supposed to put five commandments in a beat? Like, you know, ah, it's tough. This scene has really clear beats. And so we're just going to go through a few of them so that you have an idea of how they work. And then we encourage you to go and look at the film yourself and see if you can figure out what the rest of the beats are in the scene. So the, the inciting incident of the scene is when Nicole introduces the subject of divorce and how much it's costing everyone and all that kind of stuff. She says, we, we got to talk about this. That's the inciting incident of the scene. But that's not the first thing that happens in the scene. That's a couple of minutes in. So between the, the time the scene opens when Nicole is at the door and the time Nicole says, we need to talk, there are four beats. I've identified four beats. And the function of these four beats is all, it's all small talk, right? It's avoiding the elephant in the room. Nicole, remember, is the antagonist here in this story and Charlie is the protagonist. So she is coming into his inner sanctum. She's taking the temperature of the room, feeling him out. How's, how's he doing? How is he likely to react to what I need to say to him? And the conversation that I know I need to have with him, how is he going to react to the things I need to say? So she's kind of doing that. And she's also getting into position. So Leslie, do you want to take us through the first beat? Sure. So Nicole arrives without Henry 
And we're calling this a trial balloon or testing the water. And so Nicole arrives, she's rung the bell and Charlie immediately notices that Henry isn't with her, that he's playing laser tag. And that's the turning point of this, of this little beat. And so Charlie can decide to challenge her on this because she's supposed to be dropping Henry off and, you know, and start a fight, or he can remain calm keep and keep things civil. Well, he chooses to remain calm, see what's happening, and, and he's even hospitable. He offers her a drink. The resolution is there's this kind of calm tension between them. And you can feel the tension under the surface, right from the time the doorbell rings in the opening of the scene. You know, yes, there's lots of great acting going on in this scene. Absolutely. But I contend that no matter how good the actor is, they, they can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. This is why when you listen to interviews with actors and directors and filmmakers, they always talk about the script well, I saw the script and I knew I had to be part of it. So the writing has to be there. They have to have actable scenes and scenes like this that are complex and that have literal and essential action. And that gives them, that has some meat on its bones. So even though the acting is incredible, I'm trying my, my hardest to set it aside and look at just the script and, and, yeah, the story that's been written here. So that was beat one. Beat two is when Nicole comments on Charlie's blank walls. And I see this as her throwing him a bone because while um, she she got the point in the first beat, right? If you think about this as a, uh, a game, it's not really a game, but a, a match between them. If she won the first one, She's going to allow him to win the second one. And this is what I mean by throwing him a bone. So the inciting incident is that she mentions the blank walls. And the turning point is that she offers the Staten Island photo of her, of Henry. The crisis for Charlie is, does he accept that offer or not? The climax is that he rejects the offer, but in a way that takes a jab at Nicole. She says, well, that, that's a nice, you know, the picture of Henry at Staten Island, that's a nice one. And he says, yeah, but aren't you in that picture? Now, I mean, it's, it's, well, these two are being very civil on the surface, but are just stabbing at one another uh, in the subtext. It's great. And as a result, the tension in the scene ramps up, right? This is the, the, progressive complications, the escalating of the stakes, the tension between them is getting higher. Now, the reason I'm saying that she is throwing him a bone here is because her reaction in this little, hmm, I hesitate to call it a micro beat, but it's her reaction to him saying, aren't you in the picture? She could get angry with him or not. And she decides to not get angry and see where he's coming from there. And she says, well, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Well, you can always cut me out of it. So it's, it's a win. If we're going to look at this in terms of winning and losing, it's a win, but 
because she kind of says, yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. Leslie for beat three. Yeah. So here, Charlie makes a request for a schedule change and Nicole is still taking the measure, sizing up, evaluating the opponent and trying to decide, is she going to go in the, in for the kill or not? So Charlie asks if he can have Henry a day early. Nicole says, no, he's Henry's got another event with his cousins. And so Charlie is faced with the, with the dilemma. Do I confront her for refusing to be flexible or not? And he starts to challenge her, but then he backs down and he backs down with a dig. Well, it's not only this one night, but fine. Right. Cause Nicole had said, it's just one night and it's my night. And he said, well, it's not only this one night, but fine. And the resolution is that the tension is creeping up again, right? Charlie's getting angry. And the score now is Nicole to Charlie one. I mean, it's the writing here is just so great. I keep saying it, but because it's earned it, frankly. So the, the last beat before the inciting incident of the scene is when Nicole and Charlie are talking about Henry's academic performance. And this is really giving Charlie a false sense of security because it appears that these two, and it gives kind of the viewer a false sense of security too, because it, it appears as though these two can actually have a civil conversation. <laughs> and the reason they're able to have this moment of civility, of genuine civility, is because they're no longer focused on themselves, they're focused on their son. And there's never any doubt that these two people love their son and they want the absolute best for their son, but they differ on what the best is. So the inciting incident here is that Nicole asks Charlie to connect with Henry's teacher. The turning point is when she expresses concern about Henry's reading ability. The crisis, Charlie can argue with her on this because it's the LA teacher and he could turn this into a conversation about, well, it doesn't matter because Henry's not going to be here long. And he, could, he could turn this all back into a discussion of whether they're an LA family or a New York family and what all that means, or he can work with her on it. He chooses in the climax of this beat, he chooses to work with her on it because he is concerned about Henry's reading ability as well. And this goes back to something that I said a minute ago. It doesn't matter how much pain these two people are in right now their love for Henry is greater than the pain they are experiencing. So just like Nicole put her own pain aside to help someone she loves at the end of the scene to comfort Charlie because she genuinely loves him a lot, so much so she can put her own hurt aside for the moment. In this beat, this beat is sort of foreshadowing that moment at the end of the scene because both um, Charlie and Nicole are able to put their own hurt aside for the moment to focus on their son because their love for their son is much greater than the hurt that they are experiencing. So I kind of see this beat as ending, um, it's kind of a stalemate or, or maybe they both win because they've been able to put their hurt aside. So all of this happens before the inciting incident of the scene. I mean, that's how well this scene is written. It's just 
it blows my mind. <laughs> right, Leslie? Like, don't you sort of, doesn't your jaw drop when you look at this scene? Yeah, especially, you know, I know how I experienced it the first time I watched it and I was engrossed. I wasn't thinking about beats and tactics and, and all of that. But when you look at it, in this way, it's just amazing. The details that they chose, the way that they chose to escalate the stakes just before, as you say, before we even get to the inciting incident, they're just lining up the shot. And then the shot comes and you're blown away. So <laughs> I'm sorry to be so violent in my description, um, but it, it is close paying attention that really delivers a huge emotional impact and sets the story up for the for the ending payoff so the key takeaway for me for this scene is really the attention to detail and how yeah sure it's it's easy for us to just crack off a scene and have the five commandments in there when once we've reached that point as writers and we can get the five commandments working in a scene, the next step up then is to look at the the type of scene that we've chosen and to think think about it and see if there's another scene type that might help us convey the point of the scene a little better. And then also to look at the beats within the scene to see how well they're working and if there's any where in at the beat level where we can beef up the scene. What about you, Leslie? Well, when there is a scene that brings you to your knees and makes you sing out, um, that's so well done, look at it really closely. Figure out what the what are the decisions that Valerie is talking about there? What are those decisions that they made and how can you use those in your story? So that wraps it up for this week. You can find links and additional material, a lot of additional material in the show notes at storygrid.com. Also remember to sign up to Valerie's Inner Circle at valeriefrancis.ca slash inner circle to get exclusive content and sign up to receive updates from me through the captain's blog at writership.com. To support the show, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast distributor and tell your writer friends about us. Join us next week for another episode in which we'll all deepen our knowledge of story and level up our craft. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.